Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Series 2 of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, aka Not Another Sales Guy. I'm a sales and mindfulness coach, trainer, consultant, and speaker. I work with corporate sales teams and leaders, along with startup business owners passionate about what they do, but wanting to up their sales game. My main mission is helping us all become more mindful of how we elevate our performance, perspective, and potential. If you want to know more, then look me up on LinkedIn. Chris Hatfield, always happy to chat. So if you're new to Not Another Sales Podcast, here's what to expect. It's aimed at giving you insights into how you can be successful within the world of sales, whether that's your career or your own business. We go deeper into the thought process and mindset needed for success when selling and when running a business, not just the skills and output. So if you're looking for a podcast with a difference that starts with the mind in mind, this is for you. So enough about me, let's get started. On today's episode, I'm joined by Dan Knowlton, digital and social media marketing keynote speaker and co-founder of Knowlton Marketing. And Dan's going to be sharing his insights into the evolution of marketing, where you should be investing your time as a team and as a sales rep right now, how the customer's behavior has evolved along the way, the key to creating content that resonates, and also what marketers and sales reps need to stop doing. So sit back, grab a pen and pad, and enjoy. Dan, welcome. How are we doing? Good. 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 I'm alive. I feel good. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm really good, thanks. I'm great. Um, thank you again for joining me on an episode of the podcast. Good to speak to you and, and meet you virtually, as many people are doing these days. Yeah, we've spoken a few times, but it's, it's nice to have a proper chat on the video. This is going to be good. Yeah, and I'm actually speaking to the to you rather than what I've seen on LinkedIn. Obviously, the amazing content you create is a lot of personas and um, and other people. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to dive into that a bit later on. Yeah, we wear wigs and dress up and create weird videos. We can talk about that in a bit. <laughs> I can <laughs> confirm for anyone that's listening right now, Dan is not wearing a wig, unfortunately. No wigs were worn in this video. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> for people that, for whatever reason don't know who you are which if you're on LinkedIn and probably been hiding somewhere very remotely for mm-hmm. the last six to nine months could you give us a bit of context and stories to your background first of all yeah so I run a creative digital and social media marketing agency called Knowlton with my brother and co-founder Lloyd based down in uh, Thanet southeast of the UK and we work with brands to produce creative social media campaigns that drive trackable revenue um, and yeah, we produce lots of weird and wonderful content. I think what, what we kind of do differently is focus on producing really creative content that uh, has the the consumers uh, uh, sort of what they're looking for first rather than just pushing out a message. We really try and think creatively around who are we trying to convince to do something? What do they actually want to consume rather than what sales messages do we want to sort of push out to them? So, mm. yeah, we've done some pretty weird things in the past few years <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what what caught my attention i think was just that i think you know a lot of companies uh, within their sales teams are, are focusing more on like a customer first approach and i feel like mm. that's exactly what you guys are doing and, and probably where people should be focusing their time and attention more to doing yeah i think it, it's also important to to not just have that approach but have a, a strategic mind as well whilst you're doing it because you know you could just pre- produce funny cat videos no, yeah, people would love them, but is that going to help you achieve your sort of business objective or not? So what we do is tie in the funny cat videos, but with uh, a real strong 
message uh, and content that helps overcome objections, communicate benefits, um, and entertain people as well. That's a big part of what we do, actually producing content that people enjoy watching and tag their mates in saying, oh, this is well good, you should watch it. Yeah, <laughs> which I've done a few times already. Yeah. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> yes, you have, you have. Um, so it kind of links in actually for the one of the first questions I wanted to ask you because you know part of this podcast is is understanding not just what's been what's working but where is the, where are things going like mm. what's the involvement or evolution going to be around these certain areas and if you were if if you're listening to this and first of all if like a marketing team is listening to this or thinking okay where should we be investing our time and energy right now mm. what advice would you give for them in terms of either like a, their mindset towards it, which you probably just alluded to there, or something more literal as well at the same time? Yeah, so I kind of break it down how we've had success. So we've really, 80% of our time in terms of where we're focusing our attention has been focused on the traditional approach of where are your customers, where do they spend time, where do they consume information, um, and, and taking that kind of logical approach to places where we produce content and, and communicate with our customers. But what we, what we tend to do differently is the other 20%, we just do weird stuff to test things. So, for example, one of our biggest tests, well, you mentioned kind of the, the strange wig-based uh, content where we dress up as different characters and, and sort of play out uh, different scenes and things. That, that was a test originally. That was a test to just see, oh, let's see what happens if we sort of did some sketch-based content tapping into relatable situations that marketers who are our target market, marketers in brands, who they'll relate to, uh-huh. or the, the situations they'd relate to. That was a bit of a test. And that's that alone on LinkedIn has generated a huge amount of business and awareness um, for our business. Another test we're doing at the moment is, or have been doing, is our podcast so we did the, the thing that everyone does, you know, everyone needs a podcast, but we actually thought there's a lot of podcasts out there, but not many sort of business podcasts that aren't boring. Um, so we sort of took the approach of what if we could create a business based or business and marketing based podcast that people would actually want to listen to at the weekends, that kind of vibe. Um, and yeah, that's been a big test for us. But I think yeah, it's important to not just do the traditional, where are your customers, where are they spending time, but think about weird and wacky ideas to just test stuff because you'll find that some of the things you're testing work way better than the, the traditional platforms and approaches you'd, approach you'd normally use. Mm. And from your own personal experience, is there anything that you can recall where you thought, oh, I wasn't sure about that, you've put it out there and gone, wow, actually, that's really resonated with people. Yeah, I think that the first one was... I think I actually reshared this recently as like a nostalgic post was two years ago, we produced our first kind of entertaining wig based piece of content where we, we, uh, we knew we wanted to produce a testimonials video of our customers saying, yeah, it's brilliant working with, with Nelton, but we knew that they're really boring and no one watches them because who would watch, you know, a five minute video of people saying how brilliant someone is. So Mm -hmm. we, we, we thought, shall we try something a bit wacky? And we we dressed up as different characters commenting as if we were pretending to work with us with some sort of bit of a witty script. And I thought, this is either going to go down really well or people are going to think we're just stupid and mucking around. And that, that yeah, that worked really well. Um, but there's also been, like at the moment, a, a really weird thing we're doing, which is isn't happened yet, but we've 
we've basically identified kind of a a core audience of our ideal customers we want to work with who are warmed up, who already comment on our entertaining videos. And we're putting these packages together with, I won't give the game away, but there's, it's like a handwritten note with a wig in there, some wig based stickers and some other things to kind of just test that, you know, not anything really uh, direct selling, just more like, Hey, we saw you've been commenting on our weird videos. Here's some strange things in a package for you. So yeah, it's it's fun. All right. Well, feel free if you've got anyone spare, just to send them to me as well. Yeah, yeah I will do, mate. <laughs> Happily do a video of a wig on. <laughs> I want to see it, Chris. I want to see it. If I can make a cut somehow, I will do anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so moving away from from marketing teams, and if I'm listening to this, we've got we got a lot of sales reps and people within organisations who've got a, a target to hit. And, and what's been nice over the last few years is seeing people work on their their brand, their own personal brand more and not just utilize companies' content to be able to like get to decision makers and speak to people. Mm. What advice would you give to to sales reps listening to this on how they can, you know, for example, like LinkedIn, there's so much noise out there as well, mm. isn't there? You know, there's great content, but there's also some stuff where you just think, what are you doing? Um, what advice would you give to those people to to stand out from the crowd and how they market themselves? Yeah, I, I really, I, I've probably got an unpopular opinion for salespeople, but I really think um, sales sales professionals should stop. And I, I manage all the sales for our business, so I've I've like what I'm about to say, don't do. I've done loads of, but I think sales professionals should stop focusing on sort of short term wins and folk, like short term outbound, cold outbound you want to buy my product, you want to buy my service kind of approaches and focus on a longer term inbound strategy of attracting the right opportunities through um, demonstrating and providing value, through demonstrating uh, you can achieve what you promise you can, uh, through producing content that's that's entertaining, not, not necessarily, you know, comedy sketches like us, but it could be something that um, is really insightful or it could be something that's emotive and, and triggers emotion building a strategy that's that's not just because it is i do get it because it's difficult when you've got to hit the numbers and like in our business i'm in charge of hitting certain targets in terms of generating leads and revenue um it's difficult to to not focus on the short-term approach you know what could i do today to try and convert someone a new customer let's directly contact them and say you know work with us it's difficult when you when you've got bills to pay and you've got your mortgage to pay and you want to hit those numbers it's difficult to not focus on that but i think once you once you have patience and you really understand that there's a way better way of generating and converting business than direct cold outreach in my opinion i'm sure there'll be lots of other experts that say that's the best approach but from my perspective when you invest the time in building that brand that then attracts opportunities uh you know without you doing a lot um but still we we still do a lot to attract more opportunities but when you build that brand where someone just thinks oh creative marketing who do we go to that person because they provided so much value over a long period of time i personally think that's a much better approach than you know direct calling or messaging a thousand people and one percent converts i don't know i'd be interested to hear what your opinion is your your kind of sales perspective yeah, I, th- I think, you know, because I, I hear it a lot. You see it on, on LinkedIn as well. Cold calling is dead. You see social selling isn't social selling. 
it's still cold mm. calling, but just in a different mm. way. Mm. Um, I think it just, for me personally, I think you've just got to be doing everything. Yeah, I, I don't think, and I'm realizing that it, it, there is no one size fits all here. It depends, mm. it depends on your market. It depends on your the audience of of where they spend their time and 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 what they engage with as well. Yeah, um, and I yeah, think, I, mm, go on. I think with um, with with what you were talking about, I completely agree. And I think it, it I think people still lack patience. To your point. Um, mm. on this and that's why even when they try and do this stuff they'll try and get the instant gratification from it as much mm. as they would from a call and when it doesn't work they then think oh i've tried it which i see it you know i think your your sketches is great when you talk about the typical kind of social media activities what a lot of people perceive is social mm. selling is oh i've been on there five or ten minutes today i've just posted this, this <laughs> yeah, video like, yeah, it exactly. it work. there's no there's no roi in it um mm. but i think like in my head, when I started out, I thought, you know what, I might not see an impact today, but in one or two months, if I start doing this now, I'll build up my momentum. So what I do today impacts two months' time. What I do next week impacts two and a half yeah. months' time. And it's just building that up over time. But in the short term, still not being afraid to to call people. And I, and yeah. I, I get your point. I think the problem which people then have with cold calling is the way it's done. Mm. Um, and it's very spammy. Um, yeah around that and that's why i try and have as much fun with my calling as i do with my content yeah i think people no matter what approach you take i think people underestimate uh the consistent amount of effort you need to put in over a long long period of time to get the results you're expecting like you mentioned even some people will try social media or try cold calling like you know like you're mentioning and it not work but you need to you need to consistently do that over a significant amount of time to actually get anywhere. Like I remember the first, the first year of running our business, we were just about scraping by and not some months, you know, we weren't generating enough to even pay ourselves. So it's six years down the line, I'd say only in the last year and a half when we've started hiring people and building a team, we've kind of mastered the kind of sales approach to, 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 to consistently generate a, uh, people you know leads coming in the top end of the funnel and converting into business but we're still all the time uh, trying to improve what we're doing and you know we definitely haven't mastered it uh, at all at the moment but we're we're constantly chipping away trying to be better so yeah mm. well i think what you've you've alluded to which i which i appreciate which i'm sure i'm not the only one is that you guys aren't afraid to try different things like you'll find mm. some things that work but then you won't rest on your laurels and i think there's lessons that people can learn from that is you know, sales reps, marketing teams sometimes find something. They think, oh my God, this is amazing. And yeah. they just like plow everything into it. And then it, it kind of like, you know, it'll work for a bit. But then because you're not constantly evolving and testing other pieces, you're just reliant on one approach. You're, you're exactly right. And it's, I completely resonate with this because for us, when our wig based entertaining content started taking off and we could genuinely, especially on LinkedIn, track for, for like every video we've been posting, five to 10 calls set up from people messaging saying, I've just seen this video, can we speak? It's difficult to not continue just doing loads of that. However, from our perspective, it, it's so important to just constantly try new things, even if you've got one thing that's working really well, because eventually that's going to become kind of, or not work anymore. It's become, you know, it's not going to work. So you need to constantly try new things. So we're, even now, 
you know, it's difficult not to constantly want to create these entertaining, relatable marketing sketches where we wear wigs all the time because they work so well. But so we're constantly trying to think of new, new different things. Mm. That's the thing, isn't it? When something becomes best practice, it's kind of time to, to change it because everyone's doing it, which means is it really then getting the attention and standing out? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we've touched on, well, you might have touched a couple of these before, but at the start when we spoke about this, but is there anything in particular that you feel like people are making mistakes on or things that people should avoid when they when they look about look at this content when thinking about creating um entertaining content yeah i think it doesn't just have to be entertaining but i think the one key thing is most content is boring and pe- and most people won't watch most content because if you think about why they're on social platforms they're there to for escapism to be entertained to be educated to be inspired they're not there to to listen to you babble on about your product or service. They literally don't care. So it's trying to have that shifted mindset of, oh, how can I use this social platform to sell my product or service or even to build, you know, to, to create content about my business, shifting from that to actually, what can I create that people will really want to consume the whole piece of content, you know, read the whole article, watch the whole video. But then from that approach, how can I then integrate my brand in a way that, uh, you know, cleverly talks about the benefits of your products and service, cleverly overcomes any objections of people working with you. Like, for example, a video, one thing we we realized a while ago was so our wig-based sketch videos really took off and um, we got a lot of uh, kind of traction with awareness and generating business and things. But I got a call from a guy I met eight years ago at a networking thing and he was at a local company and he said, oh, there's this, this is big local company that um, they're looking for marketing support. And I, I mentioned you and I was like, you've got to work with Knowlton. And, and the, the, the person he was speaking to said, oh, but we're not sort of fu- a funny business. We don't, we wouldn't want to create like funny videos of wigs. That's not us. And he called me and told me this. And I was like, oh, we've actually built a bit of a problem here because our wig based entertaining content for our own brand is, is kind of taken off people think that we just create funny wig videos when really we're out there you know producing content for a local company to help manufacturers get back in back to work safely we're producing content for other big brands that isn't funny at all there's all you know we're producing emotive piece of content the storytelling pieces that that aren't us wearing wigs so we actually produced a video that basically took the mic and said we don't just make weird wig videos to try and communicate that so you can kind of fall in a trap of if, if someone sees, like we, at the point we touched on before, if someone sees you doing the same thing over and over again, they can just think you just do that. Or you just focus mm. on that rather than other things. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the other things you touched on there, I think what, I, what I've got from it, and I think what a lot of people can take from this process is being able to tell a good story. Um, mm. Is not just having to say, this is our product, this is what we do. But telling it yeah. in a story of like the actual talk, like bringing the problem to life, bringing the the villain to life. I don't know if you read the book Story Brand. No, um, who's that by? Um, Donald Miller. Um, Noting it down as we speak. He talks about every good story needs a villain because otherwise, why mm. would the hero want to want to change if there is no villain in the story? Nice. Um, but I think what that's what I got from your your content is in every bit mm. that there's been a, a villain, and, I, and my, my point to that is I think people can. You know, we're talking about earlier people wanting that instant gratification. It's not just about the outcome here. You can learn so much from the process of creating content like this and, and going through that, even if it's on a smaller scale. 
of yeah. understanding how you articulate things. Yeah, and it's adding that personality as well. I think I think way too many businesses, organizations produce marketing that looks too much like marketing. Like if you think about, especially on social, when you're scrolling through your newsfeed and on, in any capacity, like on TV, what do you do when anything that looks like an advert comes up? You stop looking at it and you look at your phone. Yeah. So the same, we face this challenge with some big brands that we work with. They kind of want to take a TV ad and just put it on social. And we're sort of it, face the challenge of trying to communicate but people don't like watching ads, traditional ads. You know, we, we like to take a different approach of producing entertaining ads, but a traditional ad, people are becoming blind to adverts and advertising. So trying to flip that on its head and thinking, what can we actually create that doesn't look like advertising, that doesn't look like marketing and, and using that approach? I think that's one of the, another one of the big mistakes people make. Mm. Uh, I think you mentioned, you might have been the one that commented on the Shashelia around the Paul Rudd video. Yes. COVID. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that video. Yeah, it's like an for those that haven't seen it, it's like um, it's uh, an entertaining video where Paul Rudd is trying to um, uh, like speak like he's down with the kids and using all the cool lingo, explaining why they should wear masks and things. And it's just really fun and entertaining to watch. Mm. A big a big thing that links to this as well is this kind of like pattern interrupt which you mentioned there is mm. you know getting some grabbing someone's attention which they're not used to seeing is like our brains are so like habitual with consuming things that you know 50 percent of our day is made up by habits so we're like on autopilot for a lot of these things mm. and i think if you can break that pattern for someone you can not just get their attention in the moment which is probably what you guys focus on but also in the long run so even if they don't do yeah. anything there and then they're more likely to see you again on linkedin or yeah. see your your email or see your newsletter when it comes up yeah, there's like the, on that point, uh, have you heard of the, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he's called the most hated sales trainer. Yeah, Benjamin. Yeah. Benjamin, yeah. Like it, some of his videos where he does sales calls, that pattern disrupt, he'll he'll literally say, this is a cold call. Um, and like he, he, and you know, it completely throws people off because he's literally saying this is a cold call. And he, you got to watch his, I guess you've seen his live yeah. kind of sales calls. I, I, so, use, I use it actually. I nice. use that line when I'm doing cold calling. And I use it in voice messaging as well. It works a lot of things, you know, if I'm doing a LinkedIn voice note. How does it work? How is it? What's the kind of response? Good, actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. do you know what? Like, so my first, I actually started years ago and I didn't really label it this way, but my first ever sales job was like door to door, 100% commission. Mm. And I, people knock on the door and I'd just be like, this is a this is a sales call. Do you want to close the door on me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And people would just laugh like that because they just think, and I, you know, to, to Benjamin's point, I think it's just a good way to disarm people and just have a bit of a laugh and then put it to the side and yeah. you have to have a normal conversation with someone. That's a really good point about disarming people because I think that there's, there's a really good book called... Um, it's by a guy called Chris Anson. He started TED, you know, like TED, TED Talks. Yeah. He did a, a uh, he wrote a book called uh, TED's Official Guide to Public Speaking. And he, in the book, it's really interesting. He speaks about how this is related to speaking on stage, but it could also be cold calling or, or marketing, people seeing you for the first time. He said that when you get on stage and start to speak to an audience, everyone has their walls up. So every, you've got to earn the right for them to to let you share your ideas into their head. And at the start, they're completely shut off and thinking, you know, um, you're not you're not going to get get through me. Um, and he said that um, by showing a bit of vulnerability, you could you they then sort of rather than having that wall up, they then kind of want to cheer you on. 
and and uh, and yeah, I think that's another sort of disarming approach to to doing this. Mm. Mm. Yeah. The the flip side of this, which we obviously been talking about around people switching off and what people want to consume, is obviously how I suppose us as consumers and and customers and prospects have have, have evolved. What would you say are the main things that have changed in in that regard to to force this kind of evolution of how we create content? Yeah, I think it's the way we consume information. Ultimately, like especially during the pandemic at the minute, it's just fast tracking everything going online. So you're so you know the traditional approach of of reaching people. You know, e- even online has been a big thing, but now it's like even shopping, for example. So so yesterday I, I had dinner at my parents, and my dad told me uh, that a story about last week. He thought for the first time in ages he thought he'd go to the uh, go to the local. Um, I can't even think of the word, but place where there's loads of shops to do shopping. Um, and <laughs> and he um, he walked around and he was like, right, do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get some new clothes. I'm gonna try some stuff on. And you're just not allowed to try any clothes on in any of the shops. So it makes the point of going to a shop and buying clothes completely pointless because you can't even try them on. So it's these types of things that are making it even more important for businesses to get online because that's that's the way things are going, you know, people uh, not wanting to, to meet in per- pe- person as much and that kind of thing. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. On a, on a side note to that, I think, you know, I went to, I went to Nando's last week hadn't been for seven months. Nice. <laughs> um, had massive FOBA after seeing everyone going, but what they've done is now you order on the app, you scan the barcode. in, oh, okay. um, And I, I feel like, you know, the, the point of sharing this is not just the love of Nando's, what I was thinking about this kind of experience of what the pandemic's forced is how companies evolve and change because I was thinking do you know what actually by having it on an app there's two or three things that have improved there my customer experience because I can order when I want I don't have to queue yes. um, and also in any other restaurant not just I know Nando's is typically anywhere you go up but mm. in any other restaurant you don't have to worry about waiting 10-15 minutes secondly I'm more likely to probably spend more because I've got more time to think about it and it's on mm. the app. And also if I pay at the start, it means I can go when I want. And yeah. I, I just kind of think businesses need to start thinking about, okay, how do we adapt to this kind of like environment which has happened right now mm. and, and take advantage of it rather than thinking oh, yeah. all the problems from it. Well, they're just forced to now, aren't they? They yeah. actually don't have a choice. It's either sort of evolve or die. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like you said, it's good because it's making these types of businesses think differently about the the customer experience they're providing. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the other things I've, I've mentioned a few times, you know, obviously love the content that you guys create over there and, and what Nolton's all about. And it, it, it looks like a lot of fun. Um, mm. But as you said earlier, you know, there's a big process that leads up to this. You mentioned within six mm. years, there's times that, you know, you, you haven't made enough to even be able to pay yourself each month. Mm. What are some of the, like the biggest challenges you faced and like how has it impacted this is like quite a big question we'll break it down first of what what are some of the biggest challenges you face and how has it impacted you at the time i think over the last six years there's there's always new challenges and they they differ depending on kind of where you are in the process so i guess the first some of the first one of the first biggest challenges when we started out was getting business because we it's like you mentioned it's it's difficult to convince someone to work with you when you've got no previous examples of of delivering what you promise you can deliver. So mm-hmm. it's getting those first few clients under your belt 
to then start creating some case studies and, and being able to 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 convince other people to work with you based on evidence rather than just you saying you can do something. Um, I guess when when we started to actually get business in um, uh, and we had a bit of a more structured approach, it wasn't just you know just coming in whenever. It was actually um, having a bit more of a structured sales process and how to manage that sales process. So so for us, probably three years ago, we, we when we started, we used to just have Excel spreadsheets. We've just like, that was our sort of CRM system was just, oh, someone said they're interested. Let's just put them in a spreadsheet and then give them a call and see what happens. Whereas now we, we use HubSpot, uh, their kind of sales and CRM system to properly manage prospects going through the sales process. Um, so actually, uh, another challenge was having a structured approach to generating recurring uh, revenue. Um, what else? I think at the start, just figuring out like how we provide value for clients and what our value proposition is. When you're just figuring stuff out, you're not just trying to win business, but you're also trying to figure out your offer to the, you know, how are you helping them? What, what are you doing to provide value and trying to shape that? I mean, there's been loads of challenges <laughs> along the way. Yeah. And is there anything in particular you think back and that you, you learned about yourself? along the way that you think, oh, actually, that's, I look back on that and I'm really grateful it happened because it helped me become this or achieve this. Mm. Yeah, I think something that Lloyd always says to me, which uh, I struggled with at the start, is I'm very much a control freak, so I want to do everything. So when it was just Lloyd and I, um, I would just do everything. And um, uh, whereas when we when we hired our first person, you know, we then need to de- delegate things to them. I'd still be doing, I'd still want to do everything that I should be delegating for them. Mm. And then I'd be working ridiculous hours and Lloyd's there like, why don't you just look at what you're doing and delegate the work you don't need to be doing? And I'd be like, no, I've got to do it. Um, and even now I, I'm not, I'm not like that anymore. I've, I've learned that, you know, I need to, uh, to utilize the resources around us and I shouldn't do everything. But even now as a, as a, you know, there's six of us now, but still, but I'm in charge of all the sales and marketing for our business and all of my time in an ideal world should just be invested in that, in, you know, our marketing and sales strategy in building the right relationships, nurturing those relationships, convert pitching and converting new business. But even now a, a recent challenge has been ensuring I have enough time to invest in that. Cause there's other things that I'm doing delivery, delivering strategy days, mm-hmm. other random stuff I shouldn't be doing. So it's a constant challenge but the good thing is that we're aware of it and we're doing things to change that rather than just being frantic and, you know, not knowing what you're doing. So, yeah, another one actually is uh, I learned very early on is that you have to qualify a customer. <laughs> that was uh, I remember driving four hours round trip and investing like half a day in, in an action plan for a, a bouncy castle company that had a 50 quid budget. Um yeah, I learned, learned a lesson the hard way that you have to qualify customers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to your other point, I'm, having read your newsletter last Friday, you've, you've now got a sticky note, haven't you, under your, um, your monitor. There you go, just so the people <laughs> there we go. It's backwards, but stop doing non-sales and marketing activities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so, you know, I, I can relate to that. Obviously, having just set up a um, new business sales psyche, I think it's, it's important. I mean, 
the, the advantages of, of course, when it is you, you've got everything to do, but at the same time, it's just investing your time and energy in the right place still mm. um, and not getting caught up with the stuff that like you enjoy more than others or you think, oh, actually, this this feels I need to do it right now, but is it really that urgent? Yeah. Um, I think it's important. And it's the same for anyone. I think anyone listening to this, even mm. if you've got, you don't have your own business, you've got, you know, still your own targets. I think every successful rep, sales rep I've spoke to has seen their role like their own business and everything mm. they do. And I think, you know, doing that and being very specific with your time and energy is important. Yeah. One of the, one of the books that really helped me early on, it's a really short book, but well worth reading is, was Eat That Frog. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's just, it was just a, again, this is early on learning when I was quite naive in business and sales, just that you have to, rather than like you said, doing all the fun stuff that you love doing, eating your biggest frog, which is like the biggest action you need to take that's going to have the most impact first of all at the start of the day rather than pushing it to the back of the the to-do list because you want to do all the fun cool stuff yeah that yeah. was quite useful yeah great well dan thank you so much for your, your time today it's been a real pleasure thank you thanks for having me you're welcome uh for people that do want to for whatever reason haven't seen any of your content on linkedin um haven't seen your amazing newsletter what's the best places for them to to find that so on LinkedIn, just search my name, Dan Knowlton. I'll be there. And the Friday Club is our newsletter. Um, I haven't got a good link for that, but it's on our website, knowltonmarketing.co.uk, and you'll find it on there. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Dan, and for the listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. I will catch you soon. Hey, people. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. If you want to find out more and connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn under Chris Hatfield, H-A-T-F-I-E-L-D, or on my website, www.notanothersalesguy.com. That's www.notanothersalesguy.com. Stay tuned in future for some courses and free content on there as well. But for now, have a good one and I'll catch you soon.